Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. Our next episode is a conversation with Aize Sebader. Aize is an entrepreneur, educational researcher, author, and 20-year educator. He earned his doctorate degree at Morgan State University in 2018 and has co-founded several organizations, including a Montessori public charter school in Washington, D.C. He is an honors graduate of Morehouse and Wesley and has been featured as a keynote speaker for American University and a 2010 Educational Excellence Award recipient presented by First Lady Michelle Obama at the White House. Isaiah recently co-founded the Black Montessori Educational Fund and was appointed Executive Director of AMI USA in November of 2020. In his conversation, he shares his journey to become the Executive Director of AMI-USA and his vision for the work ahead in the organization, as well as his role in establishing the Black Montessori Educational Fund. So welcome, Aize Sebader, to Montessori in Action podcast. So delighted to have you here to talk to our listeners today. Thank you. I'm blessed to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to hear a little bit about your role as the executive director of AMI USA and how that came about and how's that feeling for you? Yeah. So um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve the Montessori community as the executive director of uh, AMI USA, that's what I call it, uh, or AMI USA. And I would say that it is it's been a blessing, you know, definitely some some highs, some lows, some bumps on the way, some blessings. I'm grateful for it all. And I think that uh, it came about really, I think, by the grace of God, just divine intervention in how all of this you know, has played out. And so, you know, I, I am grateful for the opportunity and looking to try and see how we can be of service, not only to our families, to our children and to the adults that are, are doing some really impressive things. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of a big time with the whole country going through a sort of a racial reckoning um, to step into this role. And I wonder if that has played a part of your joining the team there. Yeah, I think that's part of that divine intervention that I would say. So I think that within the Montessori arena, particularly for Amiusa, there was, if I might say, an earthquake in Seattle is what is what we call it. And we do this annual big conference that we call the Montessori Experience in recent days and days gone by, it used to be called the refresher course. And uh, this year that it was held, we usually try and move it around to different parts of the United States. It was held in Seattle, had over 1,200 participants. And uh, Amiusa was making a big push to try and increase Montessori diversity. And so there were probably more than usual for the refresher course, more 
Montessorians of the global majority or folk who even wanted to become Montessorians from the you know global majority. And there were, because of the slow pace that some might say of advancement for BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color within the Montessori movement, the um, BIPOC individuals came in already looking for a way to really let their concerns be heard and in no uncertain terms, you know, let folk know that we are trying to make um, some serious inroads to advance the cause of more people of the global majority into the Montessori movement. So that already was the sentiment and the mood in the, in the atmosphere. And on top of that, some of the BIPOC individuals felt that they were being racially profiled by some of the staff, the hotel staff, and then some of the staff of AMI USA. Um, in their course of duty, they were asking folk for their tickets to go into um, to the lunchroom. And they say they were asking everybody. In fact, they said they were even asking board members who they knew for their tickets um, however, the BIPOC individuals f- felt like they observed um, some um, white individuals go in without getting questioned. And they felt like the staff questioned them, singled them out mm-hmm. to ask for the tickets. But again, if you hear the staff tell it, they say they were asking everyone. Mm-hmm. And so the BIPOC individuals felt like they were being racially profiled. And then when they even sat down to eat, the wait staff also, you know, treated them what they felt was different than how they were treating everybody else. And, you know, asking them for their ticket um, where they didn't feel like they saw the wait staff asking other folk for their tickets. So the BIPOC individuals felt like they were being racially profiled. And then they confronted some of the leadership of Ami Yusa. And the leadership's response was um, maybe not in keeping with how we might want to um, move in a conflict resolution manner, right? And so it caused a great um, earthquake is what we call it. Uh, And, you know, there evolved the whole group Equity 2020 to really try and advance um, the cause of equity and justice within AMI, you know, AMIUSA. And I think it was at that point, so while the leadership of AMIUSA had talked of doing some um, equity and diversity work, it was at this point with this racial profiling incident that the leadership realized that we have to go deeper. And the board was very clear. It was really a shakeup, you know, for the board. It really was not only a shakeup, it was a wake up call. <laughs> and I think at that point, um, there was maybe before folk might have never considered really being intentional to try and have BIPOC individuals in a leadership role. And, you know, it was at that point that um, the former executive director decided to step down and a search was um, was embarked upon. And I had not considered even in fact, I was there in Seattle when the incident happened and I spoke to the former executive director, hey, if I can help, because this seems like a hot mess. <laughs> um, so if I can help you negotiate and get this thing resolved, then I would you know, welcome the opportunity to help. Um, it didn't turn out like that. 
And even when they made the announcement for the search, I was not considering it at all. It was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, I had um, considered just working at maybe like a small early childhood school here in D.C. And I'm going to just go off the radar and I'm that's it. I'm good. I don't want to, you know, do anything high profile. And so I got calls from board members at Amiusa said, hey, you should consider putting your name in a hack. I was like, oh, heck no. You all lost your mind. <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I saw what just happened. I'm like, <laughs> you're not going to get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, famous last then, words. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then one of my um, Montessori for Social Justice co-founding um, members also called. He's like, you need to do this. And I'm like, oh, no, not me, not me. <laughs> and then somebody else called and was like, he's like, you need to put your name in a hat. And I'm like, all right, God, maybe you're trying to tell me something like, man, you getting three persons reaching out to you. And so it was at that point that I said, all right, let's, you know, take it to prayer um, see what God, you know, says. And, you know, it definitely seemed that this was an an indication for me to put my name in a hat. And so I did. And the, the rest is history. huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> yes. And so you've been in the position for how long now? Uh, November of 2020 is when I started. Right, right. So the end of the 2020 year. Yeah, because the Seattle conference was February of 2020. So by November, now you're you took over. I don't think it was February 2020 because February 2020 was a pandemic, right? This was actually I was in um, California leading a a coaches training um, right at the time of the refresher. And it was just weeks before it was the pandemic was Ah. brewing, but it was just weeks before before lockdown. It was one of the last live events. Um, certainly for the Montessori community. I remember the AMS conference that year, which always happens in March, was proceeding and then just had to abandon at the last minute. So that was a big year for many, many reasons. On many fronts. Yeah, Yeah. on on many fronts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about the initiatives that are um, coming out of AMIUSA uh, these days under your leadership. Yeah, so I think we've really been focused on three key initiatives. One, I'm happy. In fact, I was looking to announce we have a public event happening today. We're doing a joint webinar with um, AMS and MPPI on critical race theory. And I was going to announce this whole initiative to try and get more folk into the Montessori educational pipeline. So it's hashtag consider Montessori is our initiative. And while we really want to get more Montessori educators, we also want, you know, fam, particularly BIPOC families who might not be familiar with Montessori to consider Montessori as an educational option for your children. Um, for those folk who are already um, even in Montessori to consider even looking to start a Montessori school. And so consider Montessori as a vehicle for liberation on several different fronts. And so that is one of the initiatives that we want to really embark upon. The next that we've already, in fact, it began before me. In fact, I think 
I'm a result of that initiative, which is this Jedi initiative to really lean into justice, equity, diversity and inclusion within the Montessori arena in a very intentional, very deliberate way. And so we've been doing everything from, you know, seminars, webinars. We've had we developed our uh, equity statement as an organization that was very laborious. We engaged the board, the staff, stakeholders, and we also um, are now looking to even offer that those services to other members um, within the Montessori um, movement. And that really then dovetails into the last initiative is really trying to be much more um, member services, customer service oriented, mm. and really trying to find ways that we can help to bring value added to our members. And so whether that is us helping to see if we can develop a health benefits option for smaller schools that might not have health benefits, mm -hmm. whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like the the group buying effect, right? When you have a certain number, you hit an economies of scale that you might then be able to command um, some price bait breaks in the marketplace. And so we're trying to see if we can do that type of, you know, group buying for a 401k program, trying to look at how we can help members who are working on what is going to be their um you know, the system that they want to use for their information for their students, their CIS um, system, you know, really trying to help. And all of the schools are having to, to grapple with this. And so if we can, again, come with a, a, a group um, buying perspective, maybe we can move some of the even CIS providers, for example, to do things that are going to benefit our members in a much more deliberative way. We've also even started doing so as an organization, AmiUSA is looking at grant opportunities so that we might be able to fund some of the initiatives that we want to do. And as we are doing research, we realize that these grants also might be applicable for some of our member schools. And so we've actually recently started a grants calendar and we've actually even called up certain schools like this would be a great grant for you. You need to go out and, <laughs> and we've even helped them to write the grant. Nice. And so those type of services to really bring additional value added to our members. So those are some of the initiatives that we are working on. Yeah. So really resourcing schools. Um, the, the middle one, when you're talking about um, reaching more educators and more families from the global majority has me thinking of the Black Montessori Fund. Um, I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, the Black Montessori Education Fund is a just passed um, its one year birthday. So we're still in the first plane for yes, the uh, yes. BMEF, the Black <laughs> Montessori Education Fund. And it was started out of the pain that we have seen in our community, particularly after. So before I can get to the BMEF, I really have to talk about the Howard and WMI partnership. Great. Great. I'd love to hear more about that. But will you frame that for our listeners? I know that's something we talked about before we started recording, but can you give it a big picture for the listeners? So um, years ago, while I was actually in grad school, I was fortunate enough to work at um, WMI as my grad school practicum. 
and they asked me to WMI is the Washington Montessori Institute. It's the oldest um, AMI Montessori training center in the United States. In fact, it's getting ready to celebrate its 60th anniversary coming up. And WMI uh, was work was in partnership with Loyola University in Maryland. And they asked me as a part of my graduate practicum to look at their recruitment trends. And the trends were going all in the wrong direction. For years, the enrollment had been declining. And I came up with a series of things that might help them to boost their enrollment. All right. So then fast forward to almost my last year in grad school, um, talking with WMI. And they're saying they said, well, we're ending our partnership with Loyola University and we're looking to. Um, you know, go on our own. And at that point, I said, man, well, if you all are ending your partnership with Loyola University, maybe there is an HBCU partnership that you might be able to pursue. And at that point, I was at Morgan State University, which is an HBCU in Maryland. Um, Morgan wasn't really interested in what, you know, the partnership. They were going through some changes in the School of Education. Um, I then approached another HBCU um, at Coppin State, which is known as a, a teacher's um, university. That's how it got started, also in Maryland. And I knew one of the former um, presidents at Coppin and talked with, you know, some of the folk he put me in contact with. And they were like, mm, no, they didn't really see. And I had also some contacts at um, Howard University, which is a very prominent historically black college in the nation's capital. In fact, the vice president is a graduate, um, you know, Kamala Harris is a graduate of Howard University amongst many other, you know, luminaries in the black community. And so talked with folk at Howard and they seemed like they, they were interested. And in fact, the dean gave me a challenge and said, well, uh, you know, are black folk really interested in Montessori? <laughs> Great question. Thank go. you, Dean. <laughs> and so we did a, uh, I said, we're going to do an event at your house. That so was we a did great a, event. an event. <laughs> that was a great, I love that event. Tell the listeners so, a little bit about that. Yeah. So in order to really, the, the main point was to really demonstrate to the Dean that there was serious interest in the black community for a partnership like this between, you know, a historically black college and, uh, you know, Montessori Training Institute, we held a forum of, I think we entitled it Montessori in the Black Community in D.C. And we had some trailblazers in the D.C. area who've been doing amazing, you know, Montessori work for years, you know, doing some panels. We had a, a panel of school founders and folk who were long distance in the Montessori movement in D.C. And then we had a parents and student panel. So we had two different panels. Um, I moderated one. Um, Maia Blankenship, who is the wildflower um, partner in D.C., who, in fact, was has just been successful in getting a Montessori um, charter in D.C., um, so she held another, you know, hosted the other panel. And the point was, again, to demonstrate to the dean this this real sincere interest in the black community here in D.C. And the space we did it in Miners Teachers College, which is Miners Hall, which is a historic um In fact, one of the first teacher training centers in D.C., 
is right there at Miners College, right? So we held it in this historic place, and the place held like 75 people. We we filled 75 people in the first three days that we announced it. Maia was taking the registrations, and so she called me after day three and like, we have almost 100 people trying to get, like, should we stop? I was like, no, my ear, keep it open, keep it open. We got almost, uh, I think we almost got like 120, 130 people, you know, who registered. Again, the place only held like 75. We packed the place out, standing room only. Yeah. And we put the dean on, you know, because deans are usually very busy, have a lot going on. So we put the dean to give her welcome at the beginning and then she could go. The dean was so impressed. She stayed until the lights were being turned <laughs> off. She was chatting everybody up, talking with everybody. And afterwards, she was like, OK, Aiza, you're right. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> um, however, as a part of trying to solidify this strategic partnership between an HBCU and, you know, a AMI training center. This would be the first in the nation, mm -hmm. um, a strategic partnership between, you know, so many universities have, um, tr well, not many, there are several um, AMI training centers that have partnerships with um, colleges and universities. None have partnerships with H which an HBCU. So, you know, making this partnership would be strategic. It's a game changer. If you want to increase the percentage of BIPOC individuals, then it's like brilliant to have a Montessori training center housed right at an HBCU, right? That's like a no brainer. And so we were working on this, talking with some funders. And, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday, was talking with the funder and the, the, program officers seem like, oh, this is a great idea. In fact, the program officer drove down from Philadelphia to come to that um, Howard University event, drove from Philly just for the event. And the program officer was like, oh, this is great. The best thing since sliced bread. Then we talked to his supervisor and the supervisor was shooting it down with a thousand and one reasons why this thing can't work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, passionately talking to the you know supervisor, like, this is a no brainer. And, you know, so ended the conversation frustrated. Like, what are these people thinking? I'm telling you, some of these funders, they're like in la la land. What are you mm -hmm. thinking? Mm -hmm. All right. Then fast forward to um, I was asked to sit on a, um, a justice committee for another Montessori um, predominantly white institution. And so I had literally just come out of this meeting with this funder that pissed me off. And so we get into this justice thing and I'm like, I'm, all, I'm pissed off still from the other conversation. And I'm like, if you're serious about trying to advance justice, then you just need to put some money on the table and we'll get some more, you know, BIPOC individuals to engage in Montessori. So the, I don't really, you know, period. Let's, that's, that's an idea for you all. And they were like, ah, oh, that's a good idea. Next, somebody else got another idea. Next. <laughs> And I was like shaking my head. All right. So that happened. And then. So this all had happened after George Floyd had already been murdered. Right. And so my son literally that same weekend after that whole justice committee meeting uh, and after talking with this funder about the Howard partnership, uh, my son was going to be speaking at one of the Black Lives Matter um, rallies 
in D.C. at the Black Lives Matter Plaza that they literally had just named. So I went down to the um, to the protest and the pain and the suffering. It was palpable. You could cut it with a knife and just folk. You know, because again, you know, so this seeing again, you know, George Floyd after Breonna Taylor, after Ahmaud Arbery, you know, before that you had Tamir Rice. I mean, I can go on and on. And then, you know, for me, this whole eruption around George Floyd was almost like a deja vu, because when I was in college, you had the Rodney King incident where on tape you have these police officers beating this black man and. They get off. They get off scot-free. And I remember the eruption that happened when those four officers got off. And, you know, for almost 20, 30 years, I worked my heart out so that we could advance things in my community so that we didn't have to have this again. And now for my son to have to be enraged just as I was enraged when Rodney King was beat. I said, man, I must be failing. You know, we must have failed in another generation. And if you go a generation back, folk were enraged when Emmett Till was, yeah. you know, brutally made it. And if you even go before, back, you know, so again, this thing continued to happen. And so after coming back from the Black Lives Matter rally, literally the next day, so that was like a Saturday. The next day I'm in, you know, prayer and meditation Man, Aize, what can you do? What can you do to help faced with the great pain and suffering of your people? And, you know, I, I felt the spirit saying, you know, Aize, it is past time for you to be trying to convince other people of what need to be done. That is over. You need to go ahead and just do it yourself. If you see this needs to happen, then you need to just go ahead and do it yourself. And so it was at that point that I said, yeah, you know, again, I have some connections. I had, you know, helped to start a Montessori public charter school, you know, a decade before. I had um, just graduated from grad school. You know, I knew some movers and shakers had, you know, been a member of Montessori for Social Justice. So I had some entree and access to some influential individuals. And so I said, I'm just going to go ahead and launch it myself. And so um, that last year, July, we launched the um, Black Montessori Education Fund to raise a million dollars in five years so that we can go ahead and get more black folk in the pipeline, whether it's as a Montessori educator, whether it's as, you know, families who want to get their children into Montessori, having black folk who are interested in doing research into what has been the lived experience of black folk in Montessori. And the first year we wanted to raise a hundred thousand dollars, second year, two hundred thousand, third year, a quarter of a million. So the first year we just finished, we didn't raise a hundred thousand. The first year we gave away a hundred thousand. <laughs> right. So you raised it so, and gave it away in the first year? So we more than doubled what we intended to raise in the first year. And but even in doubling what we intended to raise, it really was a drop in a bucket because in that first year we had requests of almost a million dollars. And so even though we gave away one hundred thousand dollars, that's only 10 percent of the requests that we and we just got started. And so um, there is a huge need, a huge demand. And so we are blessed. We have funded 
almost no not almost over 30 individuals for Versa. we almost got a Montessori classroom that we funded um you know individuals who want to start um schools Montessori schools in their black community a a bunch of Montessori adults who want to become Montessori educators we just in the second round funded some families who want to send their children to Montessori schools so that's what the BMEF is is doing and working to really try and advance justice within the Montessori movement. Wow. Amazing, amazing things that you're talking about. Just your work as the executive director of AMI and the partnership between WMI and Howard University pending. It's that those conversations are still going on, right? Yeah, still going on. In fact, Howard just launched a initiative to try and get high school students in the pipeline and they are um, looking. So they announced that doing it at Howard. And so they are doing a course where they were trying to incentivize getting high school students. And some of the Howard professors just took the Montessori core principles oh, um, course. And if you hear, you know, one of them, he said, Shh, I'm fired up now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is really fantastic. That's so great. So great. And then the the Black Montessori Education Fund on top of it all. So thank you for taking time out of a very, very busy uh, existence over there, moving forward, um, justice for the Montessori community. Um, Really appreciate your time talking today. No, thank you. You keep up your great work because you are a dynamo yourself doing some tremendous things. And so I'm uh, just reflecting some of your powerful light. So you keep shining. Uh, You too. Thank you. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.